my definition of success is to be able to Postmates all my food and not worry about the cost. Every podcast has an opening song. This is ours. It's not very long. Chase, I think our opening song needs to be a little bit longer. I'm singing more of our opening song to intro our show called Behind Two Blondes. Hi, everyone. My name's Chase O'Donnell. And I'm Savannah Brown. Together, we started a comedy duo called Two Blondes. Every week, Savannah and I interview a successful millennial who's pursuing their passion in an attempt to pick up some pointers of our own and hopefully inspire you to get out there and do the same. Today, we are interviewing Andy Indonesia. <laughs> Andy Inadomi. I've never heard that word before. It's it's a last name. Andy is a 20-something music producer. That's not all, guys. That's not all. What else? He's a songwriter. He's a tour manager for the band The Airs, mm. spelled H-E-I-R-S. Please look them up on Spotify. And he's a sound and audio engineer. We're really glad Andy could clear some time out of his busy schedule to sit down with us. We sure are. But before we start talking to him, we must tell you what's on our brunch menu today because we don't talk to guests unless we are eating brunch. So, Savannah... What's on the menu today? Smoked Gouda and mushroom flatbread with kale and apple salad. Wow, the way you said that was so, so seductive. Seductive and sounds so good. The meal made it, the meal <laughs> made it sexy. If you guys want to get a meal just like that and turn into a voiceover artist like Savannah, then you should go to blueapron.com slash two blondes. Two blondes. Spelled T-O-O. And... <laughs> you can get three free meals on us. I told you we can't afford this. No, because it's free. Not for us. We have to pay for the three meals for them. No, we don't. But it's on us. No. It's Literally, on it's, it's on a gift of Blue Apron. It's not my birthday yet, but thank you. Oh, Savannah. Oh, my God. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for being with us at brunch. Um, Let's just go around the group and say what we're all drinking for brunch. Okay. Andy? Um, I'm drinking a Coors Light, the Silver Bullet. Chase, Um, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a mimosa. I've been been drinking mimosas lately at brunch. Savannah? I'm drinking a latte, skinny vanilla latte. (laughs) It's so funny because it looks like a mimosa. No, I'm double fisting. Okay. Okay. Well, and a mimosa, but that's not original. Now, you just got back from tour? Is that what you just said? Uh, I did. I just got back from my first tour ever. Wow. Okay. Let's give the details. It was for the band The Airs, correct? It's Yeah, for a band called The Airs. They are signed to um, one of uh, Sony's... They're under the Sony umbrella... Um, through Red Label Services. Uh, I I think their company is called Z Entertainment. They're label mates with people like uh, Daya. Um, She's like the main one on that label. And um, they've been having a big push on like the indie pop charts. So um, it's a lot of fun, yeah. I actually saw them in concert in New York for one stop of the tour, and they were fantastic. When did you do that? That was this week. Oh, Rag and Bone. It was yeah. the most like, it, I felt like I was at like 
the classiest New York. I felt like I was in Sex in the City and I got invited to one of the upscale oh. events of the year. <laughs> On the reel, I did not realize that it was uh, technically part of Fashion Week, and there were people there from, like, Saks, and, like, I mean, I brought friends from, like, Bloomingdale's, and, like, I did not realize the kind of people that were going to be there. Oh, that's <laughs> so it was why a surprise it for you. so high scale. There, there it is. Well, it was at a clothing store, but I just thought yeah. that was super indie and cool. I, yeah. I think that we might do more stuff with uh, with them in the future. So your role as tour manager involves what? Do you book the places? Like, what is the job? No. So um, the what a tour manager does is basically I'm in charge of making sure that everything that is supposed to happen on the tour happens and that it happens without a snag and that, like, Nothing will stand in my way from making something happen. We could use the, a you. Like everybody could use a manager. Yeah. In my like in my recording life, I have a manager. Um, but like uh, so I don't book anything. Um, I don't do the I don't book the travel or anything. I don't schedule what the band is doing. What I do is I confirm like they'll send me a list of flights and I'll be like, no, we need to take these flights because we're not doing changeovers we're not leaving this early in the morning this is too close to uh when our set ends we won't make it to the airport i do all of that um i confirm that all of the band's information is correct uh i'm the one that like when we get to the hotel all the rooms are under my name i handle all the finances so like i put everything on my card and then i have to deal with uh the accounting department later to get reimbursed um and basically i'm like uh so they were calling me like tour dad tour (laughs) dad and like every morning i would get up an hour before the rest of them like shower and get dressed and then i would go and knock on their doors and be and they'd open the door and i'd be like uh yo you guys up and they'd say yeah and i'd say i'm not leaving until i see you guys on your feet out of bed oh my god (laughs) Yeah, you're a dad. You're more like a mom. Uh, yeah, definitely. I just, it's very much just wrangling. I mean, they're, they're adults. They're responsible people, but I just leave no room for error. I had a contingency plan for anything that could have possibly gone wrong. But it also seems like you do their sound. Yeah, so I was doubling as the front of house engineer, which is the live sound guy. Um, that was just, uh... You know, uh, that just that's somewhat in my skill set. That was actually my first time doing it professionally. Congratulations. Um, Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. And uh, I it was felt so blessed. I got like a, a lot of uh, compliments for uh, how my uh, stuff sounded. So, uh, um, yeah, I was really stoked on that. But that's a whole other like deal of that means that. I'm talking to each of the venues, asking them what kind of technology they have there, what sound system they have, so that I know how to use it. Um, and at the Rag and Bone show, like when I showed up, everything was just in boxes because it was all rentals. So not only did I have to run the sound, I had to build the sound system. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you're wearing a lot of different hats. I am. And that's not that uncommon. On a bigger tour, they would likely have a two separate people being tour manager in front of house. 
And I would love that because that would mean I would get a, like a break. But my mind was like in overdrive literally from the time they asked me to be on the tour, which was a week before we left, which is way later than usual till last night. Yeah. Wow. Now you just got off a flight. <laughs> yeah, I got off a flight last night. We uh, had to unload all of our equipment because we traveled with, uh, you know, all of our guitars and uh playback equipment like our um like everything that we need to run the show we had to bring that back to the rehearsal space and then uh some of the people in the band their parents had a uh, lovely home-cooked dinner waiting for us that was awesome how sweet yeah now how did tour manager come about have you always wanted to do this um because it seems like you also your songwriting your your audio engineering, if you will, you're doing all these different things in the music industry. You worked at Sony, so how did tour managing happen, in, or is this just Aside. another thing mm-hmm. you're doing while you're pursuing other things? Um, so there was like a time in my life, maybe two or three years ago, where I really wanted to be a tour manager. Couldn't find anyone to to hire me, um, and um. Like, it was a lifelong dream of mine to, like, go out on the road. But, um, like, in the recent years, it just hadn't really come up. I, I guess I was kind of over it. But then they uh, they needed someone for this, and so they reached out to me. And, because uh, you were friends in college? Is that right? Uh, yes. The guitarist of the band and I were uh, best friends from college. And since he joined the band, I've been like very close with all of them. And uh, uh, the two singers are siblings and I'm uh, close with their parents as well. Like it's just a big family thing. It's awesome. I didn't realize um, they were siblings, but they did look a lot alike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. A lot of people think they're a couple as well. Oh, my God. It's the girl and guy? Yeah. I thought it was the two boys. Are The guys aren't related? No, but they also, in my opinion, look pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> huh, that's crazy. But it is. it just shows you how much in this industry, so much of it is who you know. Definitely, yeah. It, it has a lot to do with who you know. And, I mean, like, talent matters, too. And, like, it doesn't, like, if you, you need a baseline level of talent before the people that you know matter, but who you know is huge. Yep. Agreed. Gets you in the door, but you have to have the talent to back it up, for sure. And you were ready for it. It just hadn't come yet. Yeah, I I had been prepared for it. And also, like, in the week before, I mean, I did so much research. So I contacted all the venues. I did so much work to prepare for it. Like, Hard work more than anything is what matters because I've seen people uh, who were not talented, uh, specifically musicians who were not talented musicians, and they just worked and worked and worked, and now they're multi-platinum selling like musicians. Wow. But like in high school, everyone was just like, oh, yeah, that dude's band sucks. <laughs> Speaking of platinum artists, you've worked with your share of celebrities, I I have I I feel so weird about name dropping in LA but like low key I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Let's name drop. It. Let's go. Name drop away. We want to hear. I mean, uh 
uh, I uh, I engineered on the uh, last Big Sean album. I've like been to his house to go uh, engineer jam sessions that his musicians were having. Um, obviously, uh, many. Oh, actually, we haven't discussed how uh, you and I met, Chase. Uh, we worked on a music project uh, several years ago. How long? How many years ago was that now? I was a sophomore in college, so 2012, 2013? Yeah, I was, it was 2012, though. So, or yeah, it was a couple years, so. Yeah, and um, so I did a lot of work with uh, JC Chazé from NSYNC, who, like, is, he's, like, the big brother that I never had. He's just been amazing to me, like, since I've known him. Uh, and Jimmy Harry. Oh, and Jimmy Harry. I mean, he's family, though, so it's, uh, yeah. But for those uh. of you who don't know, Jimmy Harry was the music producer for Britney Spears. And uh, Pink, yeah, that song Sober by Pink, that's him playing all the instruments and producing it. Uh, you have a really amazing network. Like, considering that Jimmy Harry is like family, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, that's an amazing mentor to have gotten to work side by side with. Yeah, before I met Jimmy, I uh, I had no idea I even wanted to do the whole production thing. I I thought I was going to be a manager or a, an A and R guy. A and R guys are the people that are in charge of matching artists with songs and signing artists, and that's what my cousin does, which is uh, what inspired not what inspired me, but what let me know at an early age that the music industry is an option for work. I, yeah, so I thought I was going to, and he uh, helped me get my job at Sony, which I did in high school. I had a part-time job at Sony working in marketing. I always thought that I was going to do the same thing as him working at RCA, Sony Records, um, doing A&R. But um, uh, when I met Jimmy and I became his assistant, he thought that the best way for me to assist him would be for me to learn how to audio engineer, and I just fell in love with it. So you had a whole different idea for what your life was going to be. I had a whole different idea. On top of that, I came into college with a double major in biology. I thought I might be a doctor. Yeah. Both my parents are doctors. My brother's in med school, and my other brother's a lawyer. I thought I was going to be a doctor. So it's just your cool cousins, Mary and her brother, who are in the arts. Um... Pretty much, yeah. What school did you go uh, to? I went to USC, the Southern California one. Oh, yeah. I'm UCLA, so. <laughs> oh, it's okay. My parents are, are I don't know, if they, they are technically UCLA faculty. So. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Tell them hello for me. <laughs> okay. You guys have so a rivalry. So did you stay? We do a big one. Um, did you stay biology or did you switch halfway through? What happened with that? Um basically in the middle of my freshman year, my parents saw that like music is what I loved and it's what I cared about. And they were just like, you don't really want to do the doctor thing, do you? And I was like, yeah, I don't think I do. And so I dropped it and I, it was just all music ever since. Wow. Good for you for like, that's a tough thing to say to your parents. Yeah, it was, well, actually they, they came to me. Oh, I was going to ask you um, which way. Yeah, it was. And that was, really cool them because you know usually it's the opposite story yeah that's really yeah. special so you just switched majors like that uh i had a double so i just dropped one dropped one. Oh, so you yeah, continued yeah. going through though 
in yeah. science. Wow. No, I dropped the science major. Okay. Double in music and science, and I dropped science. Gotcha. And went all music. Yeah. And you were just like the cool man on campus because, I mean, most people in college, they're just kind of in college. I would not go that far. You were already working with major people in college, which is pretty cool. And when I I say major people, I mean me. Yes. (laughs) I did have the privilege of working with you in college. Um, I did get to do some cool stuff in college. I wouldn't say that it necessarily extended over into my social life. Oh. I, but I'm pretty compartmentalized. I, for the most part, keep my social life and my personal life pretty separate. What do you mean by that? Um, well, like, I mean, I, so you, you have to be very careful when you work in music because, there are, you know, there are lots of people in the, in L.A. that are there because they just want to be friends with famous people. Mm-hmm. I don't hate being friends with famous people, but that's not my goal. My goal is to be the best at what I do. And um, so, like, I'm not, you know, inviting. I'm not. Well, OK, I did that once. I'm not inviting J.C. Chazé to come hang out at USC. So <laughs> you, d- you invited him? To hang out at USC? Well, well, I invited him to come serenade a sorority with me. Oh, yeah, and he did. did. He did it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, how nice. I invited him to my one-person show, and he didn't come. I just remembered what he said. But mine was a farther drive. We'll just say that. It was a farther (laughs) drive. Sad story. (laughs) What a downer, Chase. What a downer. I'm going to cheers to that. Drink. (laughs) Drink to that. Anyway, you were... You feel like a lot of people in L.A., you have to be careful what their true intention is. I feel that, too. Well, and and also, like, some people are fine with that, but that's just not who I am. Yeah. So, like, I, um, and I've had people tell me this, like, people who have seen me in, like, at parties and stuff, at, like, industry parties. It's just like, oh, wow. So, like, when you're not working, you're you're not, like, this like one track mind guy you're you're just a normal dude yeah so yeah i like like, hannah montana i am absolutely like hannah montana thank you i've been saying that for years oh really (laughs) no but (laughs) now he is (laughs) best of both worlds so when you're tour manager you don't go out after and go drinking i did go out with them just because it was a short tour i was not drinking because uh like I had to be I like I wasn't even eating adventurously. I I wanted my body to be like as neutral as possible. You're you're playing but dad I or did, mom. Yeah. Yeah. I did go out with a band because I wanted to make sure that they got home at a reasonable hour. If it was a longer tour, I probably would not have gone out every night. How long was this tour? It was only Three days. Three days. But but it was all on the East Coast, so, like, so different, like, from California, yeah. Do you see yourself um, doing this again for them and setting up a longer tour, or do you feel like you did your tour managing? I, um, I think that there are some details I can't get into, but I definitely see myself doing more of this type of tour managing and live sound work in the future. And that's kind of where your focus is now, no, my goal is still to be a songwriter, a producer, an audio engineer. Uh, but I see this just uh, 
it was a lot of fun. Uh, it appeared that I was pretty good at it. Uh, and cheers. Um, cheers to that. Okay. Natural cheers. ability. Cheers. And um, and I could see doing it a few times a year because um, I'm freelance, and the nature of freelance work is sometimes you don't have work. So. Yep. Hundred percent. This is just a really slow reminder that we need to thank our sponsor, Blue Apron, and we can take as long as we want because this meal is delicious and I'm taking my time eating it. Yeah, uh, I just think that there's so many times during the day that we forget to say thank you for our meals and thank you for our lives. Mm -hmm. So this is just one of those times where we're saying thank you for this incredible meal. Blue Apron. And thank you to you for listening. Yes, Um, as a gift. As a gift, we're going to send you free meals from blueapron.com. So please take us up on that offer. Go to blueapron.com slash two blondes. Spell T-O-O. And it would really mean a lot. And uh, I think that was our moment of gratitude. That was are pretty we, slow. Are we back to the show now? We're back. Back to the show. show. Now, I was going to say, tell us a little more about this songwriting. Yeah, I want to hear more about it. When did you get into songwriting? Are you writing for yourself or are you writing for other artists? Uh, only a few months ago, and I am writing for other artists. I uh, I like to write pop songs. Uh, Chase, I don't know if you remember, my favorite artist in the world is... Taylor Swift? Close. Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, oh yeah. close. Oh. That's right. Um, I love writing female uh, female pop songs. Wait, you um, like Carly Rae Jepsen even other songs than Call Me Maybe? I mean, Call Me Maybe is still my ringtone, but yeah, I like, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God, I love that. Can his intro into this podcast be Call Me Maybe? Call Me Maybe. And in fact, so the first thing you do when you do run sound at a place is you run your own songs through the sound system so you know what it sounds like. And so uh, I get there, and they're like, okay, uh, you want to plug in your iPhone? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, don't judge me. <laughs> and there's my song list. Have, has a girl ever come up with you and said, here's my number, call me maybe? Uh, No, no. Really? That's such a good line, Shane. I, I haven't it, heard I've that. I've done it several times. You say, I've, here's my number, call me maybe with mm-hmm. a wink and then walk away. I've written my number on a nap. This was in college back, you know, when I was living it up. I wrote my number on some napkins, and I would walk through Isla Vista in Santa Barbara and be like, here's my number. Call me, maybe. Was it your real number? Yeah. No one called me. How many napkins? I had. A, I gave it to about five guys in one night. I Chase was, was like, crazy here's in my college. Number. Yeah, crazy. No one called me, but I thought it what? was hysterical. <laughs> I think I would have called you. They would have called you. I feel like you guys should you should do it now that now that Call Me Maybe has been married for so long. Oh yeah, I shouldn't do that. I'm married. (laughs) That's right. Andy, I'll do it to you one night. All right. When when I yeah when I'm not waiting for at least expecting it, it'll surprise me. Yes. Now, Andy, where do you see yourself? And I'm gonna change it. We usually say ten years, but that is so far away. Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, in five years, I'm, uh, I, I hope to have a publishing deal, which is a, um, I actually, I hope to have that within the next year or so, which is like a, uh, a record deal for songwriters. 
basically. Um, uh, I um, hope to have a couple um, songs that I have written on the radio. And uh, and I hope to be uh, making a little bit more money so that I can live like a little more comfortably. Uh, yeah. Usually, when I answer this question, it's a little further in the future. So, do you want me to say? I'll say ten years. Wait, where do you see yourself in ten years? I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess like ten years. Like, uh, you know, God willing, I'd love to have like my own studio complex. And uh, have, like, uh, a studio that I designed and then have offices for all my friends who work on the business side and they could be there. That way I could be with all my friends all the time. And, uh, you know, maybe, like, a couple Grammy noms. Oh, yeah. I mean, my uh, one of my big life goals is I actually I want to teach uh, this kind of stuff at USC. So I guess a master's degree is in there somewhere. Maybe education. Because uh, I'd love to, uh, yeah, I'd love to teach this stuff, too. I have, a, I have a rant. This is a Savannah question. Okay. What is your definition of success? And this is your own opinion. That's not random. That's a great question. I just, everyone's is so different, and I want to hear yours. For me, my definition of success is uh, making the uh, kind of money I need to make rent on whatever studio I have and whatever place that I have. Um, to be able to live reasonably comfortably, like, to not have to, like, because, you know, right, I'm 25, and, uh, also I graduated college a little late, so, like, if I go out to a bar, I have to really think about it, like, (laughs) me too, (laughs) um, uh, stuff like that, I want to, I'll, my definition of success is to be able to Postmates all my food. And not worry about the cost. Yes, I have a great quote for you guys. Okay, give it to me. I heard this recently. Don't spend less than you make. Make more than you spend. If you want to spend this much, okay, make more than that. Don't, don't find that you have- Find your comfortable, like where you're comfortable, like you're saying, like live my life every now. Night. Uh-huh. Make more than that. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Boom. I love it. I Boom. just that quote. I ha, it's been in my head every day since I heard it. Who is that? Uh, you know, I don't know. It was my <laughs> my friend's dad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like it. She said this was what my dad always says. So. Anyway, that's yeah, that's deep. Yeah, it's deep. It makes sense until you it, until you're trying to make more money. Yeah, yeah. It, if we don't, then we need to stop spending as much. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it was a night that I spent sixty dollars on. Eggplant rollatini, asparagus, and a glass of wine. And I. That was $60. It was, well, it was $58. And I was so. You left a small tip. Upset. That was including tip. That's a really expensive eggplant. That is an expensive. It was. It was like. No, you were like at like $68. Eggplant, $15 asparagus. With tip, you're at $68. Oh. It was a lot. I spent a lot, and I was just like, man. And then she gave me that quote, and I was like, okay. I we guess spend I, I spend $70 on meals. Every so. time we go out, it's $60 each. It's so expensive. Chase Bank. <laughs> Every I time. It's a little less than that, but, is yeah. You were just in New York. New York's more expensive, right? Uh, It actually surprisingly wasn't uh, the worst. Uh, that rag and bone thing, open bar, so. Oh, yeah, it was free. Oh. 
Oh, don't get me started. But um, yeah. going back to the song, excuse me, I've had a few mimosas. Um, <laughs> going back to the songwriting, <laughs> are you comfortable talking about um, who you've written songs for, or is that still on the down low? Um, it, it's uh, kind of on the DL, and also it's like the way it works is that generally speaking with the famous people um they they put out like what they're looking for and uh you go with those ideas and you try to write a song based on that unless you're in the room with someone though and that's like you're in the room with uh Britney like um you're not necessarily writing for them you are you're writing a song and then you're going to pitch it to them and cross your fingers uh-huh Wow. Um, and that, I feel like, though, y- that's all, like, very possible, that this is a huge possibility that you're going to get a Grammy nom. Yeah, I, I don't think soon, but I, like, that, I I don't think that that's unrealistic. I, I've been working very hard, and, yeah. What's a day uh, in the life, Andy? Like, in my normal life? Um, if you have a normal life, you might not. Like, not on tour, just a... Yeah, totally. Um, I usually get to, uh, I, like, I work my own hours, and I live in L.A., so traffic is the worst thing in the world. Um, I Most of my life is revolved around not driving in traffic. So I wake up at, like, 9, and I get to the studio at, like, 10, 30, 11, um, and I like check my emails, do all my like housekeeping stuff, maybe clean up a little bit. And then I basically, I just get started on whatever projects I have going. Either I am producing a song for someone or I am mixing a song for a producer or I have people coming in and we're going to be writing songs together. Um, And I basically do that from whenever I get into like 1030 till sometime between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Wow, that's insane. Is your commute far from home? Uh, It depends on where I'm staying. So actually, since graduating college, I've never had a permanent place to live. In At various points, I've lived in, which is great because I pay rent on this place and I don't have to pay rent on an apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Glendale, which was super close. I've lived... Uh, uh, with my cousin, which was also super close. Uh, but recently I've been living at my parents' place more, which is about an hour each way. So that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's rough. This is the thing with millennials. A lot of us are moving back in with our parents because it's just, I mean, people have predicted this. It's just not affordable anymore. And it's, it's like, it's yeah. kind of, I don't know. It's nice that we have that option. Yeah, no, it totally is. And I, I would like... I would be totally, totally cool with it. Like, I mean, I'm super grateful for it, but I, it's not my ideal situation. It totally would be if it wasn't an hour away. Yes. Right, right. Now, why is your office so far? Do you have to? Because it's in the cool part of town and I'm cool. He lives in Silver Lake. Or wait, a little past it. Atwater Village. So it's um, basically Silver Lake ends... And then there's the L.A. River, and then there's, like, a very, very small neighborhood called Atwater Village right north. But, yeah. How many in- Also, I got a great deal on this place. Oh, then so. keep it. I see two guitars yeah. behind you. What else do you play? And I see a piano. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Oh boy. I mean, I mostly play bass, um, but I don't even do that that much anymore. Uh, let's see. I I can play bass, guitar. Uh, there's uh, I I'm a classically trained cellist. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm super out of practice, but I, I've started practicing again recently. I've got an electric cello up there. You can't see it. Um, I have some, uh, I have a piano. I have a few synthesizers. This one's actually JC's that he is, uh, he, uh, that I have on indefinite loan. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, and I can... I'm not a great singer. I was a decent one in high school when I would practice every day and I was in choir and musical theater, but I haven't practiced since. But um, because of that background, I'm a really good like vocal coach. So when people are recording vocals, I'm really good at telling them exactly how to sing. Interesting. That's awesome. I can't picture you in musical theater. Please tell me the musicals you were in. Um, Well, I started out in the pit orchestra. and I started out in the pit orchestra, but then I saw them on stage, and I was like, first of all, none of the basses are singing their parts right. They're all singing the tenor part an octave down, and that that just annoyed me. <laughs> and then uh, Town came up, and so I auditioned for that, and I got uh, I got a part. Um, uh, the 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 assistant guy, I played him, and then. Uh, and then Into the Woods came up, and I got the uh, steward, I want to say. And, I, like, I mean, my parents have had season tickets to the Pantages since I was a baby, so I love musical theater. So music's always been in your life. Um, yes and no. It was mostly, like, classical and, like, that kind of stuff. I, my parents, like, we didn't have a hi-fi system or anything, and they listened to talk radio, so, like, I'm, like, just getting into the Beach Boys, <laughs> like... Old music is, like, I'm catching up on. Me too. Oh, wow, yeah. Well, no, you know, like, the cabaret classics. Oh, yeah. That's But, old. like, Beach Boys, you brought me into. Right. And But my dad loves Beach Boys, Beatles, mm-hmm. and I've grown up around it. So but rad. So good, though. Ugh. But, you know, you know classic cabaret stuff? Because that's, like... I go way back in the cabaret. Wow. He's third generation I'm third cabaret. generation cabaret. Let's just say oh, everyone in her family. I know done. my shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being taking here. Taking the time. I know that you honestly have a crazy, it, it has been a crazy week. And thank you for just like yeah. finishing it off with us, talking to us, brunching. Yeah, no. I guess our final question what would be your advice to. Uh, someone that's pursuing like what you're doing. Uh boy. Um. Well, I guess it's uh. You have to be all in. You have to be a hundred percent. If there's, I don't have a fallback plan. If I fail, I am going to be homeless and starving and broke. Um. My only option is success. And also, um. And just and and knowing your lane, like no, knowing what you're doing. Like if you love show tunes and all you write is show tunes, you're probably not going to be on pop radio. Um, so you need to you need to find a way to make yourself known for uh, for what you do. Yeah. You know, awesome. find your niche. Yeah, find your niche. Yes. That's great advice, Thank Andy. You, Andy. Cheers. cheers. One more cheers. Cheers.
And we will have to get brunch for real when you are in LA. We yes. can't wait. We can't wait. Kick ass. You're killing it. Thank you. You guys are too. Big fan. And I will see you guys later. That's our show. And now we're saying so long. Tune in next time on Behind Two Blondes. The Behind Two Blondes podcast is brought to you by FOU Studios and recorded at Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens. The show was created and written by Chase O'Donnell and Savannah Brown. This episode was produced and edited by Chase O'Donnell. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Brian Walters, the senior producer here, and on behalf of everybody who worked on this show, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUstudios.com. Boom! Boom.